it's not that the religion is bad. It's just that it is not God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there is God and then there's our view of God and these are two different things. You are listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast, a place to grow, learn, and be inspired as you discover God's purpose for your life. Here's your host, the pastor you've always wanted without the church, Dr. Kumar Dixit. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad that you've joined us for Concierge Minister Podcast. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Samir Salmanovic here with me. Um, Samir, thank you for joining me. Hey, Kumar, always got to, you know, reconnect. We are like a, like a comets, you know, like going around and then every couple of years, like, oh, yeah. It's so crazy how our, our past has been so closely joined together and yet so far apart. Yes. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad to be able to talk to you this time around. Um, I'm actually calling you today from a hotel in, I think I'm in, in North Carolina. So I wish I had a beautiful backdrop like you do, but um, you're just going to see <laughs> a hotel room right now. Thank you for joining me. I'm really, really thrilled. And I was really excited to talk to you about um, your book. It's all about God. You know, this book, um, I got to tell you, is... There's about three or four books in my life that have transformed my thinking. Mm. And this is one of those books. And um, I've read it, well, in pre preparation for this interview, this is my third time reading this book. <laughs> oh, great. And I got to tell you, um, you know, it's one of those books I think probably everybody should read every two years just to remind yourself, you know, you can get off the path and, and, mm. and kind of divert and, this just ring, really bring, brings you right back to where you should be. And um, I really appreciate this, your, your writing. Um, I got to tell you something that I've told many, many people behind your back, so I have to say it to you now. Um, <laughs> let me ask you, is, is English your first language or second language? Uh, second language, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I came here after college. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I figured. And what really bothers me, because English is my first language, what really like, makes me so incensed and jealous, Samir, is just how beautiful you write. And I'm like, how is a second language learner able to write so beautifully and poetic? It makes me mad. <laughs> that's great yeah yeah we all have this holy envy sometimes yeah know? it it it's very very true so before we get started um i want to just ask you because you wrote this book almost 10 years ago right, uh, maybe 11 right. years ago 2009 yeah yeah 2009 and i know that you know just for example you know when i wrote i wrote my book in 2010 and there are so many things that i would change from my book or even just recently i was thinking there's a huge missing chapter that I wish I could go back and add to my book. Um, you know, so when you've written your book, um, is there anything that you would change? Or is there any ideas that have kind of um, evolved, things that you don't agree with yourself anymore from 10 years ago? Or um, wh where do you stand with, with your ideas right now? Yeah, well, the, f the first idea, you know, that, yeah, we all have... Uh, sort of a vastly different perspective the moment the moment it's published. Even if you do an article and you just print it mm -hmm. and look at it, you are already reading it as a different person. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you see it in a book, you're reading it and all of your 
inner memories, your psyche of reading all other books and being other kind of person that you have been in the past. Now you're reading it as such, you know, mm. which is really hard to, to replicate when you're on a computer with your thing. And so the first thing that it was already in print and I wanted to change the title and I, and the title would, it's called now, it's really all about God. And I wanted to entitle it. It's really not all about God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and I could see why you would say that too. Yeah. Right. Because at least the God is not all about God. Hmm. I mean, God could care less whether we love God or not because yeah. loving God is, is a sort of a trickstery of God for us to love the world. Yes. Yes. And to love love and to mm. love to have an idea that the world, the life that is invisible is real. Right. But the word God has been like uh, really uh, sort of destroyed basically over the years. And it's really hard to, you know, kind of like even, even think of what, who God is because it means very different thing to very different people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was just, uh, you know, thinking of our conversation yesterday and it was uh, James Baldwin's, uh, you know, birthday. And so I got a quote from James Baldwin, who was, you know, he in Harlem, he was a, one of the greatest, you know, black thinkers about equality and justice. And it's just a really good time. And, and, I, and I, um, I screenshot the quote that I wanted to share with you. Yeah. If the concept of God has any validity or any use, it can only make us larger, freer, and more loving. If God cannot do this, then it's time to get rid of God. Mm, mm, wow. wow. I mean, this is like a throwing a gauntlet down yeah. to God, but it's not so much to God, it's throwing it to humanity, you know, mm -hmm. to religion, to priesthood, to our conversation about God. And um, because what later I realized, I mean, already in the book, you know, we talked about that, but the issue is that some people would sacrifice the character of God in order to preserve their doctrine of how they interpret the Bible. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's a certain way of interpreting the Bible, certain rules, hermeneutical rules, and people will rather preserve that than the picture of God they serve, mm. uh, which, is, which is unfortunate. So that was the first thing, you know, like after that, I mean, we could talk about it, you know, forever. But later, you know, over the years, over the last 10 years, I really wanted to sort of figure out how we can live a life of ritual and life, what religion gives us, but live it in life itself. Yeah. So that life becomes a cathedral. Yes. And that metaphors that we have, Having in a life that is like a daily life becomes uh, what used to serve us in a religious context, um, and and so so one of the things I, I I came to understand now is that we create sacred. That's right. Uh, that's right. By and our attention and our intention, right? Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I mean you know, it's almost like a heresy. I mean, if you would say that we create sacred, that's, and I mean, I used to be, we both as pastors know that that's like saying, you know, there's, 
there's no one God, <laughs> you know, or something akin to that. But, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but actually, it's okay with God. It's okay to create Sabbath, mm -hmm. you know, like palace in time. As Josh, Abraham Joshua says, this, if we create this palace in time, then we also create other sacred things. Right. And, and I think you did a really beautiful and masterful job on helping differentiate um, religion as opposed to just God itself. You know, so, you know, mm -hmm. so much of who we think God is, um, it's we have kind of dressed God up like a like a Barbie doll. And we've added all these different garments and done the hair. We've done the makeup. But when you look at it, that's all just religion that we put around God. And we haven't really fully understood um, the presence of who God is. Mm -hmm. it, it's important, I mean, later after the book was written, and, and it's already there also, that it's very important to have a self-compassion about that limit that we have, and compassion towards other people. It's not that the religion is bad, it's just that it is not God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there is God, and then there's our view of God, and these are two different things. Yeah, so do you, do you think that there's... Um even a place for organized religion. I mean, do you, in, in some totally, ways, yeah. yeah, I mean, in some ways I feel like organized religion also inhibits you from really experiencing God. Mm -hmm. But, but so does work. So does disappointment in life. So does everything else. Mm -hmm. It's just that we want religion not to be like other things, but it is right. just like other things. Yeah. It's like art, you know, art can degrade people in some way, mm. if, you know, politics, it can improve the world, it can screw the world. Uh, science, you know, it can save people, it can produce destruction, you know? Yeah. yeah. So religion, and as long as religious people are insisting that religion is expression of the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. that's a problem. Right, right. You right. know, but yeah. if you don't do that and say we are religious because we can get better education we can share our what we agree on we can organize ourselves we can make a bigger difference in the world it's all great yeah. but the moment it goes into the driver's seat and god goes in the back seat mm -hmm. or everything else goes in the back seat that's a problem so that leads me to you know my next question that is about the kingdom of god one, one of my dreams in life especially 10 years ago was to write a book called the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And I was going to find every instance in the New Testament where Jesus says, the mm -hmm. kingdom of God is like, you know, because what he's trying so desperately to, to do is to contextualize what, you know, the kingdom is, you know, for, mm -hmm. for, for people on this earth to really fully try to understand in our, in our, in our mind what that is. Um, but I, in some ways, Samir, I don't even think Jesus even like fully was able to help us grasp what the kingdom of God is. And throughout your book, you know, I underlined at least 10, 11 different places where you mentioned, you know, the kingdom of God. So how would you express what the kingdom of God is today? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like Jesus wasn't happy with his explanation. I think he was always like, always, oh, what shall we say kingdom of God is like, you know, he's always <laughs> yes, like, yes. I don't know, you know, well, it's like that tree, it's like that child, it's like right. that woman, it's like, 
he was basically scanning the horizon and close and far and saying, look, it's about your attention and what way you see the world. It's mm -hmm. all about how you see the world. And, uh, and he was trying to convey his own astonishment yeah. of discovering, you know, from his birth. He wasn't born and say, like when he was, you know, suckling on a, on a, on a, on the breast, he wasn't saying, well, you know, I'm incarnated God, you know, I'm just going to play baby here, right? <laughs> right he wasn't right. doing that. He was in a process of discovery mm. and of a process of not knowing and then knowing and knowing and knowing and knowing. And he was astonished about life. I think God is astonished, you know? So, mm -hmm. so he is keep conveying these, these, this like, privilege of just existing you know and yeah. he couldn't find a way to describe it and that's why we have so many stories and so much uh and and it's left to us it's left to us we are writing the bible you know like right how would what would be the bible according to kumar you know like yeah what do you think is missing in a bible that your life would add mm. you know mm -hmm. so we're all in business of of continually writing yeah, that's right. Yeah, so right. it's not it's not something that can be described. The moment you know it is the moment you lose it. Mm. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, because then then you then if it if you can grasp it, then it's too small for you, for yeah. all of us, right? Yeah. And uh, and and so I have done a lot of work about the concept of unknown you know, for the last 10 years. And that's like, for me, holds a lot of promise. Our relationship with not knowing something. Mm. And it's something we abhor as human beings. We don't want unknown and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. But life is increasingly serving us unknown daily. So speak a little bit about that. What do you, what do you mean by that? Mean, meaning that uh, uh, we basically grow when we have a one foot in the known and one foot in the unknown. Okay. And we are in this awkward place in between. And unknown scares us. That's why God scares us. That's why faith scares us. You know, like we need to have faith because we, we need to have some assumptions about things we do not understand and do not know. Have, have a relationship with the unknown. Mm -hmm. right? And one proposed by biblical language is relationship of faith. That what you don't know is good. Right? Mm. Right? Uh, and, and that like cynicism or would be something that you don't know, assume is all bad, right? Okay. So our relationship with the unknown is, is that it's most valuable human capacity that you do not, that, that you are capable of holding the unknown at your work, in politics, in your family, and seeing unknown not just a, something that, to fear, but also a source of joy and source mm. of delight. And a, and, a, and, a, and a growing human life is the one who is capable of facing the unknown, stepping into the unknown, befriending the unknown, and finally delighting in the unknown. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And if you can make that kind of a journey, uh, I, I feel uh, it... it you know, it's very hard to tell people like, oh, you got to develop a relationship with the unknown, right? right. Because people, it's almost like develop a relationship with hunger, you know, right. Like, right. Or, or something that you don't want. Mm -hmm. Although I talk a lot about friendship with hunger, but, 
you know, because I'm in cooking now. But, uh, so, uh, uh, so, so unknown is um, is one of is it's for me emerging. Uh, the way I talk, I try to talk about it now is a, is a way of wayfinding, meaning mm. people, we have, humans have been wayfinders from the cave to now Mars in just, I don't know, 10,000 years. Right. I mean, think right. about what it takes yeah, for our species amazing. to do this. Like, mm -hmm. it's incredible mm -hmm. uh, because no other species uh, wants to go into the unknown. But we humans, we are scared of it. And we are uh, wooed by it. So, Samiria, so in, in your book, you talk a lot about um, kind of our limited comprehension or understanding of who God is. We, we kind of, like I said earlier, we kind of dress God up um, in order for us to have a better idea of who God is. Do you, how, how do you think that's happening going on right now? Like, what, what are some examples of how we're still limiting God and, and God's power and presence in our life? Yeah, I have, I have sort of, you know, like your journey, I have disconnected a lot from religious world mm -hmm. and religious language. And I'm kind of recovering uh, speaking like a normal human language about God. And you can see how people doze off, you know, <laughs> they just like start being like a sort of like a, the eyes become, look at you with sort of a, a glaze. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, when you start talking religious word and God and particularly our limitations, you know, mm. that mm -hmm. do not understand God. And so I'm trying to figure out, um, I'm, I'm around much more, asking questions, what, what we do understand. And, mm. okay, so God is for me a doll that, as you say, that I make pretty, so be it. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to, this is, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn into God who understands God. I'm, mm. I'm limited with that. Right. right? So it's okay. It's, a, it's all right. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Hindus have, you know, broke through this when they say you, there's like a, a million gods and, and, and there's idols. For right. them, idol means completely something different than for Christians. Right. Because Hindus yeah. have figured out that none of us can understand God fully. Therefore, mm -hmm. we, all of us have our own window into God. Right. right. And right. all of our windows are different. Yeah, so, that's right. But you are stuck with the window, and you have to respect the window. You have to feed mm. the God and dress the God the way you, you do it, right. right? And somebody else will do it differently. It doesn't mm. mean they're worshiping different God. It's they're, wor they're worshiping the same reality, but in their own way, from their own context, through their own story. Because mm -hmm. the same word means differently to you and to them, which is so beautiful. And also what they're saying is that, which is fantastic. I mean, I have goosebumps when I think about this Hindu contribution in my life is that each of these windows sees the whole God through it. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. You know, it's not mm -hmm. like you, although my window is small, it's enough. Hmm. Hmm. Beautiful. That, that is beautiful. You, you know what? Through that window, however small, you can see all the way to the horizon. Yes, yes. Uh, that's really, you know, I, I teach world religions. And one of the ways that I try to describe um, kind of the, the idols in 
um, Hinduism is trying to say that there's different char characterizations of who God is. And mm -hmm. so each idol is a representation of one characteristic of who God is, you know, so. Um, right. And so, but I like, I like what you're saying. And that is that if you go in closer and look through that window, what you do is you see enough of God for what you need in your life. Exactly. And you go all the way close to the window and your, your sight actually expands left right. and right. right. The closer you get to the window and the clearer it is, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to have somebody else's life to understand God. In Right now, what you see, you live it out. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, it's very, um, very, very freeing. And, and we all deserve compassion. It's not easy to be a human being. It's not easy to, you know, face God. Like, mm -hmm. um, I often say, like, God doesn't know, doesn't know me. <laughs> oh, well, how can you say God doesn't know me? Well, in Christian theology, God does not have experience how it feels to be a sinner. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Only I know he right. doesn't know that hmm. because if he would be a sinner then satan would be right i mean i'm talking a christian story as it is presented in in like yeah. let's say evangelical world right mm -hmm. therefore i have a dignity of contribute contributing something in god's community in his universe or her mm -hmm. universe that only i can contribute mm. right yeah and god is like yeah yeah, you know what sin is. I mean, you have done this, 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 and this. I haven't done those things. Right. So, thank you. Thank yeah. you to be small. Mm -hmm. It's in our world that that's a big deal. Somehow right. God needs to be great. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I love that in, in your book where you talk about our... I mean, we could do an entire podcast on just that one chapter about, you know, wanting God to be so big and great and your how, god is too big that's right and how we really have tried to do the same thing i mean i just you know i i as i read your chapter i was like thinking about how even i you know as a young minister you know all i wanted was to have a mega church all i wanted was to have the numbers all i wanted is go big 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 and really that's not what it's about you know it's not the bigness of, of god it's about the the intimate small personal relationship that you can acquire by having those moments with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, Samir, that um, I kind of had one of those, just like my brain exploded. Um, and so just hear me out for me. I, you know, I grew up in a very conservative religion and I grew up um, really believing that um, even if I went to a church that wasn't, from my own denomination. So let's just say, use Baptist, for example. Even if I went to a Baptist church, I may be sinning against God because they don't have the truth that I hold, okay? So just imagine like me learning from Muslims or learning from Hindus. I mean, my own family, you know, my grandfather was converted from Hinduism. And so the idea that I could find anything good or gracious out of Hinduism would be going against anything that my religion 
you know, has to offer. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, um, and I don't know if, if this was prescribed in my religion or if it's my denomination or if it's just the way I grew up culturally, but one of the things that I grew up was with was almost as if God's presence would not follow you if you even went and delved into learning from other religions because, you know, that, that's opening a door for Satan. And mm -hmm. so when I read your book, um, luckily I'd been kind of a little bit past that, but when I read your book and for you to even suggest that there is beauty in other religions and that not only that, but that we can actually learn from them um, and to invite them in and see the, here's the problem with evangelical Christianity, at least the way I grew up. The only reason why we would ever learn from them is just so they got a chance to feel like we wanted to hear from them. But really all we're waiting for is our time to try to convince them to come to our side. And so when I read your book that basically said, no, 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 this is not about trying to, you know, pull one over on them, but this is truly genuinely learning the beauty behind them and believing that they can contribute to your own faith. Like, bro, my, my, my mind was like mm. spinning. It was like, whoa, this, okay, this is either heresy, <laughs> okay, right, right. Or, or this is something that I've never, ever fully allowed myself to enter, you know, and. Right, um, yeah. And it's so, uh, w once, you, once you dare to go there, you know, it's yeah. kind of scary. But once mm -hmm. you go there, you suddenly see that it's, it is so. And you see that Jesus was like that. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I give examples uh, and afterwards, I develop a, like a, a lot of examples on, on how Jesus was actually learning, you know. And I always wanted to have like a, I wish when I was when I was a pastor, you know, when we were pastors, like a part of the service would be called, what would Jesus learn? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. what would Jesus learn from this? What would Jesus learn from that? What would Jesus learn from, you know, because somehow for us, uh, uh, not knowing something is weakness mm -hmm. like but not knowing something is allowing other people other parts of the universe to have life on their own right to have their mm. own story their own right. identity right that's right so so it's like a, in, 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 a, in a marriage you know mm -hmm. you live with somebody for 30 years and then the moment you say I know you the game is over right Right, right. Yeah. You are always respecting another by saying, "No, I don't." Mm. Right? No, That's I right. don't. So, not knowing somebody is a way to give them dignity, mm -hmm. being different, dignity yeah. of making their contribution, dignity of being sent, dignity of carrying a blessing from God to the world mm -hmm. and to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So you recognize the presence of God in another person by receiving from them, mm -hmm. not giving. So that's the that was a big trick with with evangelicals. What what really scared me about evangelicals, and I read that, that this Jewish scientist and researcher who did like a the biggest study on evangelicals, and he says the problem with evangelicals is not so much this, 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 and he had a list of common things we have issues with, you know, exclusiveness, you know, obsession with death, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. He said the biggest problem is that they are, see themselves as a counterculture. 
And I remember when I was listening to Tim Keller, you know, and people like that, yeah. like, oh, yeah, we are the counterculture. We're going to tell the world how to live, right? Right, right. And he says there is no two-way street. You need to be able to receive from the culture mm. because evangelism is, is always a two-way street. God is always in the world reaching you, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. if you and as an evangelical are not being reached, and converted continually by God outside of yourself, of what you know, mm -hmm. you have ended your story. Like yeah. there is no, right? So, so, so God is always in the business of surprise and showing up in people that are least expected. And so when Jesus was faced with Syrophoenician woman who said, okay, you young man, you know, you are full of, you know what? Jesus, because, you know, even dogs get crumbs and mm -hmm. you don't want to give me crumbs, right? Yeah. That was mean what you said. You are too young, Jesus, to talk to me like that, you know? And here is the lecture from this old lady that, that is sent by your father to pass the message, right? Mm -hmm. I deserve love, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. to Jesus. And Jesus didn't say... <clears throat> I'm son of God. I'm supposed to know. No, he says, wow. He's yeah. like jaw dropping for him. He's mm -hmm. like, oh my God. You know, yeah. I am sent and we are sent to Jews and beyond. It's just mm -hmm. boom. His mind exploded because this woman told him, look, I'm not a dog. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, she, there was something that she was able to contribute and teach Jesus in that conversation. Yeah, that's what would Jesus learn. And, yeah. and that's like God. Why wouldn't God do that? Like, mm. why, why do we have to say that, that God is not capable of giving us a power to have a contribution to the universe that is our own and to put creation, power of creating something new in the, in the universe in us mm -hmm. it would be like us saying that we create kids and then kids cannot go beyond who we are mm -hmm. or make a right. contribution right right now that's a really great example you are listening to the concierge minister podcast with kumar dixit coming up do you think that that there is a need for traditional evangelism uh you know to kind of bring non-Christians over, or do you feel like there's enough space in the world where God's presence is already there and existing in their, in their life? Hey, this is your concierge minister, Kumar Dixit. If you're looking for a place to grow deeper in your understanding of who God is, or seeking a safe place to ask questions, I want to invite you to visit our website, conciergeminister.com. If you've given up on the church, but still desire to grow in your own relationship with God, I would love to help you reach your spiritual goals. Just visit concierge and schedule a 30 minute session with me. Do you think that, that there is a need for traditional evangelism, uh, you know, to kind of bring non-Christians over, or do you feel like there's enough space in the world where God's presence is already there mm -hmm. and existing in their, in their life? 
Uh, no, I feel like evangelism is 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 necessary, uh, and it's necessary because it's very human. It's 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 a basic expression that our joy that is not expressed is not joy experience. Okay. Right. Yeah. And and Christians have really capacity to help other people because mm -hmm. there's refugees from other religions that come to Christian church and they find new life and they're restored. But so is the other way around. Yeah. There is Christian refugees to other religions, right? Mm. Yeah. The only dichotomy there, the only like incongruency that I see there is we celebrate when somebody is, you know, leaving Hinduism and coming to our church and being baptized and we have a party, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when somebody leaves, we are shush about it, mm. right? Instead of saying, hey, Brother John, he met this Muslim woman, right? And mm -hmm. then he started reading Quran and, he and then he found something that really restored his life in a way way that that only God can do right mm -hmm. so he's mm -hmm. leaving he's gonna be a Muslim now and we're mm -hmm. gonna have a big party and a dinner and his her family will come over here and we're gonna bless them and we're gonna send them out because we do to others what we want others to do to you and mm -hmm. if we want others to accept others coming here right without bitterness and letting them go and celebrating they have become Christians. So we will celebrate when our pilgrim moves on. Mm. Wow. Because that's... certainly not the vacuum of God wherever they are going. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, it's, it's, it's the idea that God is big enough. Yes. You know, that yeah. God is big enough and cannot be limited, you know. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, which I it's, think is... Um, it's a... It's right there, and uh, there is a part of the religion that builds on a, a need for survival and being different and being scared and, you know, requires fear in the members. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, I used to be judgmental of that and say like, oh, you know, well, because you want to, you need to be exclusive because you're afraid and you have a complex of, you know, inferiority and that's why you keep praising yourself and saying we are the best and all of those kind of dynamics. Mm -hmm. But fear is real and we all need to know that our way is a good way. Mm -hmm. So having compassion for evangelicals who need this or who operate in this, it's, I think, much better than judgment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it's mm -hmm. not about, hey, why are you stop being afraid and just be, you know, visionary. Well, life is, it's hard to be a human being. I'm mm. scared. Yeah. And there's so much diversity. It's coming from everywhere. I don't know even what I believe. I feel pulled in all directions and, and I need to stick with Jesus in the way I know. Right. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, so, but, but I'm thinking if you stick with Jesus in the way, you know, just go deeper. Just go deeper, 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 deeper. And if you dig deep enough, you're going to find the water that is, that, that, you know, that waters everything. Right. You right. can be very particular in order mm -hmm. to be universal. Mm. Mm. You know, it's okay. It's like right. back to the window, mm -hmm. you know, back to the window, so, uh, you know, of the, like a Hindu piece. Right. Um,
So, so I'm much less judgmental of religion than I used to be. You know, like I, I remember when I had to leave as a pastor because I couldn't hold it anymore. It was just too much. You know all mm -hmm. about that. And then like, like, oh, people don't want to believe the re you know good things and true things because they need to maintain the system and they need to maintain the the salaries and they need to maintain all the organizational trappings and all of that and therefore we are not agile and we cannot change you know what i mean it's the the, the human need for structure the human need for predictability for comfort for safety is a sacred need mm. it's not a need to it's not something to put away easy you know, to throw away easily. Woven through your book, the, you know, is your personal story of you coming to faith, you being rejected and kicked out of the house by your parents, um, you kind of just surviving on your own. And then there's this beautiful culmination at the end where your parents, after 20 years um, of your faith, they come to America, you're in California, um, they visit for a month, and then they, um, you do the most courageous thing, you ask your dad to come to church with you, right? Which yeah. I I would be like shaking my, you know, my boots. So, you know, after reading your story and, you know, it, it, it what I loved about that, 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 that story is that your parents did honor you and come to church. They did experience your world as you know it. Um, but, you know, it does, it, it, it's not like, it doesn't like, end with this beautiful bow where you like baptize your parents, you know, like at the end of the service. Um, can I, can I give us, you know, it's been 10 years since you wrote the book. Um, can I give us a little, where are they now? And, you know, how are your parents? How's your sister? Had, you know, where did anything happen after that experience as far as um, a healing process for you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that at that time, the, 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 the point there was that actually it was message. They were sort of unsung heroes of, of Christianity. All the people we hurt mm. uh, by boasting ourselves of being right, mm -hmm. you know, and then being in the wrong and, and they, you know, bearing, you know, I mean, I was a kid, like 17 when I converted, and my dad has seen life. I mean, he has seen stuff. And I am telling him that he is confused, you know, and that I know life. And, and on some level, yeah, I have, have a new things to bring to the table. But, but I think commandment of respecting your father and your mother is more important than converting your father and your mother, because mm. converting is not in the commandments. Mm. Yeah, that's well said. So, uh, it's it's more you know friendship, loving, neighboring uh, are are uh, uh, relationships of a higher order than con than religious belonging or conversion. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. 
friendship evangelism. I remember when that first came and I was like, no, no, we can't use friendship to evangelize. That's, that's using sacred, you know, mm -hmm. like friendship is too sacred to make it into a tool. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And these people I remember from the conference were like, no, 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 you don't understand. We are me meaning this and this and that. And I was like, nah, that's a lame answer. You cannot say that. It's simply not, not like it's off limits. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and, but, you know, I understand what I wanted to say is that you need to be yourself. And, uh, but, um, yeah, what was I saying? Yeah. So later, um, you know, my parents passed away like a several years ago after that but for years after after that book came out we were you know the relationship was growing and it was beautiful it was just you know they really loved my wife who is like a princess kind of a person and it was great and uh, um and then i realized later that sorry about this dinging my daughter who you know, published article today, everybody's like texting about it. So. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so um, uh, uh, what I realized is that, that we never die. Like we live forever, right? Mm. In some way, literally, I don't know how would I say, it depends what you think who you are, right? Mm -hmm. If you think your cells are you, then those cells disintegrate. But who you are is, is a reality that is larger than your own body, right? Mm -hmm. Because you affected the world and you are carried in other people's minds and love you released into the world is actually has a real effect on the future and is sitting on the future. The same way today, the love of our people before us is still sustaining us, sustaining our country, sustaining us in time of despair, you know, in science, in all of that, these, everybody's alive. They're like, we, that's, they're holding us, right? Right. So, right. Uh, so, but there's more to it. My dad and my mom are in my mind for the last like seven years. They are like, they are not frozen in time when they died. No, mm. they have reality in me and they are growing and changing with me That's the way I know they would if they were alive. Hmm. So when I meet something new, my dad would comment something he never said before. Being so inspiring and I, 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 I talk about my dad more than they, you know, more with each year. Hmm. That's interesting. That's because interesting. I start to interpret his words of the past one way Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, then I remember, you know, I would, and I would remember now things, uh, things that he would say, like, I remember, you know, I was growing up, we were in a Muslim family. And so once a year on Sunday, he would take a big piece of pork and roast it in the oven and serve it for lunch. And we would all eat pork. And I was like, why do we eat pork? You know? Right. And he, yeah. and, and then he would say, I just want to make sure that religion is not in charge. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Which meant there is something greater than religion. Mm -hmm. The life is bigger. It pours over. Religion serves us. Yeah, we do have identity as Muslims. But there's more to it. Mm -hmm. There's more to it. And whatever that is, we need to pay respect to that. Right? 
and this is how we're going to pay the respect. And I realized later he was basically talking about the kingdom of God, mm. which is bigger than religion in scope and quality. Mm-hmm. That's, beautiful. that's beautifully said, Samir. Um, you know? Yeah, that's really, really profound. That's great. Tell me about the um, the Mediterranean roasted vegetables that's behind you. What 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 are you up to these days? Uh, oh yeah, those who are maybe just listening here in the background, I have uh, four pots that I got here, and I make them look like they levitate on the wall. Yeah, it's very nice. And then I have uh, like a little board that says Mediterranean roasted vegetables. Um, so. Um, what I have got myself into, uh, I, you know, the older I get, the more I try to integrate different threads from my life into what I do and who I have been. And when I was in a middle school, uh, um, both of my parents were like great cooks and they would cook a lot. And I was growing up, you know, how they say you need to have 10,000 hours to master something. Right. Um, I got dead by the time I was like 16. You know, in the kitchen. I mean, I missed a lot of soccer games, a lot of dancing, you know, because I need to stay home, you know, stuff for the winter and cook this and there, this guest and that. You know, it was like from butchery to vegetables to wine to like all kinds of things that we had to do. Uh, and then I, when I was in the middle school, um, I was a, a guest hosting a cooking show on a national TV, right? Hmm. And, and then after that, I started, uh, you know, I was cooking all of my life and learning a lot. Then I was a vegetarian for four years. And, uh, and finally, you know, over the years, I realized that a lot of things I have been doing, you know, I've been using a metaphor. And it's one of those human, it's one of those things that made us human. So, so what I do now, I, um, I have, a, um, I'm launching in September, uh, a membership group it's called the kitchen hood it's like okay. neighborhood or brotherhood or sisterhood mm-hmm. in which people use a kitchen as a place of transformation because it has been a first place of transformation where human beings actually were capable of transforming not just matter but also relationships and themselves and their narratives mm-hmm. uh, around the fire so, so right now I want to do that, and um, and I have been you know mingling with 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 people who who witnessed my skill or transformation and called me on it. I was uh, last yes. year in Tuscany for a week uh, for a walking tour in Tuscany, and I was there with David White. Uh, he's a poet, and there was one a chef from London. She's amazing, and she's a you know a cookbook writer. And they had this big party for 30 people, and and I volunteer. I say I'll 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 you know I'll wash dishes. You know I can I can do that. Yeah. Right. And she called me in, and and she it was like a five big dishes for 30 people. We had four hours, right? And it was in the middle of the Tuscany in this big home, and there was a garden, and there were items, and say do it. And I'm like, oh my goodness! And I jumped into it, and I just had the time of my life, you know, it was just Ooh. incredible. And, and at the end she said, anytime, if you want to be in this line of business, you can just step into it. Really? You know how to do this. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And I felt like so affirmed and, uh, and, 
uh, and then I, you know, I came back and I was like, yeah, yeah. A lot of times is looking at what we have inherited from our parents and from the world. And if we can acknowledge that, pay respect to that, accept it as our gift, and move it a little bit further. Mm. So what I want to do through, through Kitchen is much more about transfer, tra life of transformation. And some use yoga, some people use religion, some people use sport, some people use hiking, some people use whatever. I'm saying the greatest place of transformation is right in front of your nose. You have to go into it every day. It's right there. It will never go away. It's a perfect place for practice. Yeah, life. that's great. Yeah. Where, where yeah. can people um, learn more about it if they want to go on a website and, and check it out? Well, you, you can go to myfirstandlastname.com, samirslamanov.com, uh, and then they'll find everything because I do other things. I do you know, food retreats um, in Italy, in Croatia, in New York, uh, uh, you know, different projects like that. Uh, but this specifically, the kitchen hood is thekitchenhood.life. The kitchen okay. dot life, not it's, dot com, uh, dot life. And so, you know, if you go there, uh, there's a kind of a waiting list there. Samir, thank you so much for taking the time. It's, it's, I, I feel like I, I can talk to you all day long. Just, um, I don't, you, you need to be teaching, man. Like, you know, I mean, I know you are teaching <laughs> in what you do, but you're such a great um, teacher of life, and I, I, I love just listening and learning from you. So, thank you for taking the time today. Thanks for listening to the Concierge Minister podcast. If you want to learn more about growing in your faith or looking for an online faith community for support while you're on your journey, please visit conciergeminister.com or send us an email at concierge at gmail.com. Don't forget to click the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating. If you find this podcast helpful, please tell your friends about us. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, go and live your best life.